Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner, Keith David, Keith David and Josh Brown. I wish you were Keith David, mate. I really do. Every <laughs> single day of my life. Is there any project on earth that Keith David has not improved? Even Chronicles have <laughs> made better with that man. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd do a, a final chapter in the ongoing Mass Effect Legendary Edition saga, which is to say that we've already done episodes on Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, uh, reapproaching them in the modern day. How well do they hold up? How well do they feel? How, well, how do those games feel when their DLC is just automatically included? Um, and do they sort of land better over time? One of the biggest question marks was o- always over Mass Effect 3, because that game's reputation for the longest time was just complete dirt. And I think that it's taken this long for um, even the Mass Effect fandom itself to sort of reapproach it and go back to it with everything included and go, okay, were things overblown? Was it a thing at the time? Um, you know, does that story actually work if all that stuff is actually included, the stuff that EA initially stripped out? And how does it all feel? So um, I'm initially going to go to Benroy because you, you, your um, time through Mass Effect, this was your first time through the trilogy. Yes. How, what's your thoughts? Because we haven't actually talked about this. How do, you, how do you think, how do you feel about the trilogy of Mass Effect right now? Uh, it's an excellent thing, and it's probably one of the best trilogies in gaming, to be fair. But like, um, specifically with 3, mm-hmm. like it felt I got the real sense of dread and like, the end of the galaxy and stuff. Like that. I don't think I'd get from this game. Whereas, like, say, 1 is just like an interesting dive into this world two is like i'm focused on the characters and trying to make everyone happy and just want everyone to sort of love me in a way and then three was like i really did feel like i was going to sort of like points in the in the galaxy and trying to like bring even though i would meet people bring them back into the fold and essentially crucify them to a just a jpeg and and, and a number <laughs> but um like that, i think they could have done some better stuff with like at the end having everyone there in at least one battle or at least having like just visualizing how david keith was defending the um earth for so long but mm-hmm. like for i got such a sense of like i need to do this we need to do this and i thought it was i maybe i would have had problems with it if i was only locked into the two endings i believe back in the day but Fine. Well, it, was, and it was always like yeah. the weird, the multicolored ending, but also like you had the whole conversation at the time of like EA had separated the likes, like Javik was a DLC character. That is horrendous, by the way. Yeah. Javik, bring in Javik. So I'm just jumping over you there. No, so no, do it. Bring in Javik into certain missions. Like when you go to the, um, I can't remember Liara's race, but like when you go to Liara's homeworld, the Asari homeworld, and Javik has so much more conversation in that. And you can tell Javik was literally just hatcheted out of the game at the, <laughs> the last minute. And he is, it's not like the two DLC characters in two where that you can't have a conversation with them ever. Mm. And they're just like, all right, Shepard, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a piece of crap. 
And then you're like, yeah, like, I know you are. Them with uh, Zaid and Kasumi, like you get them on the ship and it's you hit X to talk to them or whatever, and, and that's yeah. it. It doesn't, you don't even get any proper dialogue stuff. But if it, it always felt like Javik was the main component and he should have always oh, been part yeah. of the story. Because um, did that, what was that general feel of all the DLC being plugged in? Like, I, I mean, I'm bringing Josh in as well because obviously you played the original Mass Effect 3. But um, playing Mass Effect 2 Legendary Edition, you could tell where they just made access to the DLC earlier, where it was just sort of, it interfered with the way that Liara's conversations went. Like, you saw you were getting uh, hints about the Shadow Broker and what Liara was hunting for before you'd even met her uh, because the Lair of the Shadow Broker DLC was suddenly available before you were, uh, you would hit that point because that DLC was released after Mass Effect 2. Um, but yeah, if, I guess for either of you, like did it feel more streamlined because i've seen uh mark wallace getting out there saying that he hopes that this goes down better that the entirety of mass effect 3 is the ending it's not just about the very end uh, and if you take all of it as one thing all the dlc that they initially had it, it just works in a way that it just couldn't back in 2012 yeah it just feels so much more complete with everything added on top you know i played mass effect 3 back in the day without javik without any of the other dlc mm. and i didn't dislike it as much as other people i think the metacritics metacritic score it has is absolutely insane i think it's got like 93 or 4 <laughs> which is just crazy crazy high i don't think it's that good but i did think it was good but again it is, it's even better with everything else um, rolled into it. I couldn't believe how lengthy most of the DLCs are. Like the the Citadel one in particular is so long. Omega is quite long as well. Mm. Leviathan obviously adds so much more to the law and the background of the Reapers themselves. And yeah, I think the way it's implemented in the game is so much more natural because, you know, if you're going off to investigate the Leviathan, if you're doing the Omega stuff, if you're messing around on the Citadel, um, for the most part, you're not necessarily locked into it. So you can do drips and drabs of Leviathan as you go so it doesn't feel like you're taking priority away from other, other missions it just feels like you have a better idea of what's going on in the galaxy the secrets of the galaxy and obviously it brings your team in a little bit more i just think I'd, i'm really impressed with the dlc for this game Mm-hmm. Well, the Citadel stuff, how did that strike you, Benroy? Because the way they, when everything rolled out initially back in, back in the day, the Citadel stuff was like their apology DLC. Like obviously, they did the extended cut, which is now the mandated, the actual cut. Like, you don't even, they've just deleted the, the sort of weirdly half-baked original version or the half-finished original version. But also, the Citadel stuff is just pure banter. It's just an excuse to sort of hang with those characters, write some one-liners, write some memorable. What would become gift as hell now? It would become memed as hell. It would become social media fodder. Um, how did that stuff feel because initially that was meant to be the oh god we're sorry here's everything that we forgot uh to smooth well over. um at first they're just like here's um keith david also known as commander and um admiral anderson there here's his here's his apartment and just go in there and listen to him monologue at you for ages i mean <laughs> and just stand there and just listen to his subtle tones and then just bring people over and have a time and then have a party and people and meet them in the streets and just like have a laugh and then those missions where i remember when you used to just stand in elevators and talk that was fun wasn't it yeah says rex and garris goes no (laughs) (laughs) and just think of that and uh spoilers for anyone who's not played it but like uh, using the toothbrush mentioned in the game to open up the sh- to open up the ship and then get break into the Normandy thanks to this Mass Effect <laughs> toothbrush and you're just like God's sake these callbacks to this game and to other things just like what's going on is mm-hmm. excellent and um, because you I mean, can you can now do that before the final mission which kind of yeah. changes the whole dynamic of that like everything that's in there. I did it after I finished the game because mm. I thought like because I knew there would be a part I was told there's a party so I was like. I want the party with everyone at the end just to be like, oh, this is the way to say goodbye. But it, it does so much more justice for 
a load of characters that, as I said, get turned into JPEGs and then they just be, they go into that battle menu and that's them done forever. Mm-hmm. I'd be a bit, a bit sad that you can't bring like certain people there because certain characters um, are, go the way of um, the mists in uh, <laughs> in the game. I don't know how spoiler we're going to go with this, but um, let's by... we'll, we'll, we'll skirt around stuff just because I, I yeah. guess people are still playing through it now. And big old glyph gets a nice little bow tie and it's like you know i can't say no to that <laughs> we'll like, i will what? change for a, par- a party appropriate attire and just gets a bow tie i'm like yes mm. that's appropriate josh you think the citadel stuff works better today than it ever did as like the like i said the sort of apology tour they were doing back in 2012 Ah, uh, well, I think it's always been this beloved thing. You know, I never mm. played it back in the day. I never played any of the DLC. Um, but I do think it, it slots in a bit more neatly. You know, I've done it just before I'm about to embark on the final missions and it feels like a nice send-off of getting all of these characters back together. And mm. they kind of acknowledge it that like, this might be the last party we ever have, depending on how this goes. And I kind of love that element. I just think it works. Yeah, it works as a lot of fan service. Yeah, it works as like a celebration and potentially an apology, like you said. But it also just works to kind of deepen the characters, their relationships, the directions and make them feel a bit more human like to see Shepard in this light like outside of the specter soldier that my version of her is or has been for like three games now and like seeing the characters talk about her there's a great line I think that um, Anderson has in one of his monologues where he's talking about Shepard and he's on about you know Shepard putting the entire weight of the universe on her shoulders and she's, you know, not really kind of coming to terms with it. She's putting her body on the line and she's not considering the toll it's taken on her. And then Anderson says something like, you know, I just wish he kind of like realized how much all of us are rooting for her to get back home in one piece. And I was like, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're like exploring this side of those friendships because it feels very one-sided in the other games, you know, because you're like the player character and you're imposing your own personality onto this person. And you're like, you know, helping other people. But, you know, it's, it's the classic meme of they never ask Shepard how, how she's doing. You know, they never yeah. sit down and give her anything back. But here it was kind of like a reminder of, oh, yeah, like these people are friends. And ultimately, as much as you want them to survive, they're also rooting for you to survive. Not just to get the job done, but to come back, be their friends and continue having these parties. I thought that was a cool little detail. Like humanize Shepard in a way that I just had never thought about before the one character i got that from was liara liara is leagues above anything she's never been bad but i think not having her in two basically and then being brought back in like such a major way was like such a nice way to cap it off where especially for my shepherd we were together in the first one and then i kind of like we got separated because you know I died, so then I went off with Miranda for that one. And then, like, they just... I mean, I do have problems with, like, just some characters like Miranda is just, like, gone and um, Thane, whatever... Go- I won't say what goes on with him, but, like, how... The, I would, the UI is trash and that you get an email right <laughs> and now I'm now I fall into this thing I got an email from Fane as I, I'll go there in a minute but it doesn't order it in when you get no. the emails just throws them into whatever goddamn order they want and then I was like wait a minute didn't I have one from and I managed to find the, the Miranda stuff but by the time I got to the Fane stuff it's too late and right. then I luckily thanks to the Citadel DLC bring it back to the Citadel DLC you get some videos from you see for Fane or his son yeah, uh, yeah, TV, and I was like, "Thank God I got that because poor Fane just, you know, was doing a thing." And if you if you missed that, that it, time, there's not really any going back. And then like that changes how like a very minor character ends up later on as well. And I mean, I didn't really care for that thing, but it was more like bringing that would have been a nice way to bring it back. But no, it was held back by 
random text that never <laughs> creates a side mission because all side missions and missions are now in one lump and then all the emails are just in a random order and I just hated it so much. <laughs> I think that's more than fair. And um, One thing I was going to ask as well, because I'm still going through Mass Effect 2, I'm still combing every part of that game, but one of the biggest criticisms of 3 is obviously how much the, the multicolored endings ended up dominating the overall conversation on the trilogy, just with a lot of people just saying, you know, nothing mattered because all of it was just going to, you know, funnel back into this multicolored ending thing. And what do you guys think of that now? Because I think there's a, a completely different perspective on Mass Effect 3 and on the trilogy itself. And Bioware do bring more things across all three games than you think. Like there are those roadblocks or those sort of siphoning off parts where it's like, okay, we're not going to have Liara fundamentally in 2 unless you do the DLC stuff. Um, and then we're going to fundamentally take Miranda out of 2. So you sort of, they are sort of chopping and changing main characters. Um, but do you think there is like a, a confident sort of through line across all three games that is even more obvious if you play them in the Legendary? edition i don't think it feels segmented i'm yet to get to the final mission like i say so i, I will mm. reserve my comments on that and not resort to my 11 year old takes or however long that was ago <laughs> maybe nine years i can't remember um, like, that. generally you know we were talking this morning about how difficult it is to carry over major decisions across multiple games because there's so yes. many variables that the writers have yeah. to account for so many so much only so much manpower that goes into creating the specific scenes in terms of cinematics in terms of mechanics in terms of different gameplay stuff and i feel like three strips a lot of your choices away you know there's mm. the basic thing of only having mostly two responses to everything shepherds talks a lot when you don't have any input at all in the in the narrative itself is railroaded way more it is in one and two at the same time though i still think it does complement a lot of the decisions you made previously yes sometimes that does end up in just um resulting in a jpeg in your war assets but other times it results in cool little stories that you might not um have gotten otherwise you know there's a really cool resolution to one minor character that you meet in mass effect one that mm. can like end quite horrifically if you choose the paragon route in the um in the first game which i thought was really cool mm -hmm. so i can see why they had to take a lot of that choice away from you and ultimately for me, the storytelling in three, for the most part, until you get to the end, um, is solid. Like the things that they do with most of the characters, the way that all of the major beats play out in terms of, you know, forging these alliances, you know, wrapping up these plot arcs that were established in one and two. For me, they mostly hit, and I feel like it could have gone so terribly wrong in the other direction that mm -hmm. I don't mind if a little bit of control has to be taken away from me to deliver those moments and make sure that the vast majority of players, even though your decision, decisions influence them somewhat, get something satisfying, get something that they can tie to their shepherd. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the kind of the thing with um, in two, like you'll find tons of like, um, you know, radio reports, little news bulletins and stuff that reference even the most minuscule side missions in Mass Effect 1. And just for me, combing every part of two. Not that I mean, two is the one I've been through the most, but I've never really like combed it, like minuscule every corner of this world. I'm going to do everything in it. Um, and realizing how much they sort of bring across from one into two. Um, yeah, Benroy, how have you found, because like, you went through all three of them, I think in a row or pretty tightly anyway. And yeah. um, how congruous did that whole trilogy feel? I just became Mass Effect and it's by the end of it and uh, I did so much to, to I played so much of two and three <laughs> I, I I can see why people might I mean I've never seen the true true ending so I don't know how garbage it is but I take <laughs> that game as 
it's not that final mission isn't the ending right there's so much that is ending in that game whether it's the genophage stuff or the the all the quarry and stuff yeah the quarry between the that them and the geth and uh, other character storylines where you've heard about them speaking about something and now it's coming to resolution and even though like the the elusive man stuff i thought was done really well and there's just some people feel that were left behind but at the end of the day at the end of the day i hate that saying as well uh you get to a point where they're either gonna waste so much time in making things that most players will never see mm. or they I, I don't i think it's fine like the, the free choices i got i mean there's another secret fourth one as well and stuff like that but the the just the resolutions were like say i loved the ending of the genophage stuff i loved all the quarry and the guest stuff and i loved that they felt like two massive endings within this game and uh sort of like discovering things with liara and javik at certain points and then mm-hmm. uh i did going back to earth and like finishing the fight as it were that was fun i just wish there was more more character stuff there on, on on earth in london and not just looking like london does now um but i just <laughs> i i thought as a package it brought as much of it back in even to the point of like i don't know if josh was referencing this character but the fan that you can find in the first one and then finding that guy in a conrad yeah conrad yeah. and Brita finding him and like, oh a little lad man and then he gives you i mean spoilers he gives you one towards the galactic uh help with his dissertation <laughs> I guess that's all he's got really he pulls up a dissertation like have a dissertation and it's like one he's like oh for good. thanks mate <laughs> thanks for your one help but it's just fun like that and even like um some of the stuff in that Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. In the DLC with the grim ending with the guy with the pipes in his mouth and stuff, oh, like yeah. you get a character from Overlord. that who comes back. Overlord, sorry. He's in this at some point and he's in a little side bit with another person. You're like, hmm. oh yeah. And like just little bits like that are all going back in and the Omega stuff, if it's in if it's in this game and you didn't play it as DLC, that fits in nicely as well. It's just mm-hmm. 
I, I think for the most part, they do as best as they could when it's not all siphoned off into DLC. That's what, that's the ultimate takeaway, I think, is that if you just take EA out of it, just all those weird publishing yeah. decisions. The assumption is that it was all EA. I'm pretty sure it all was. I'm pretty sure Jason Schreier covered this in one of his books and stuff. But it very much felt like EA sticking their tendrils in and going, oh, Yavik's important. Oh, this is important. Let's cut all that stuff out. Like all the Leviathan stuff is pretty fundamental to understanding what's even happening in the end. Um, otherwise, you don't really have that much of a concept of what's happening with the, uh, the Star Child and everything. Um, let's bring it back to um, Shepard because one of the criticisms at the time was that they wrote a character for Shepard and a lot of people at the time were really annoyed that, you know, say for example, the, the, the go-to example is if you played Shepard as a complete a-hole, renegade, doesn't care, insulting, throwing mercs out of windows, left, right, and center, then why would that person then care that uh, one child got killed at the start of Mass Effect 3? And the more that they have those dream sequences and nightmare sequences, the more a lot of people who could, couldn't get with that in the opening scene um, only grew to hate how much they tried to railroad Shepard into a main character. Um, plus, on the marketing side, EA were out there saying, you know, Mass Effect 3 is the perfect place to start. Everybody should jump in here and, you know, hey, look, there's the multiplayer. There's all this kind of thing. There's all the um, ways to experience Mass Effect. Um, do you think just, I guess, what's your thoughts on the way they've written, the way Shepard gets written in 3 versus how open they, they can be in 1 and 2 and that whole idea of jumping in in 3? I have two points to bring up here. <laughs> First is directly addressing the criticism that apparently like the writing is incongruous with Renegade Shep in previous games. I don't think right. that's true. You know, yeah, they might be having this kind of like nightmare about this one child, but it's not just the one child. The one child reflects the entirety of Earth being under Reaper threat. You know, like yeah. even in those nightmares, you're chasing the one kid, but as you go through the nightmares, they're more populated by these shadows of people like you've lost and stuff. So I feel like even the most heartless renegade shepherds, like they were never outright evil. Like Bioware made a huge point of being like, if you go down this path, you're not an evil dude. You're, you're the renegade, you know, you're yeah. doing things um, that are, you know, unempathetic and stuff, but you're not outright evil. And I feel like even with that in mind, the destruction of earth, the, the, the thing that you've been trying to warn people and they've not been listening about finally happening in front of your eyes, that would even on a renegade ship, max renegade ship, leave some kind of impact where the story kind of works. Mm. That said, I do kind of think it's disappointing that you lose so much control over Shepard to get that. You know, like I mentioned before, the, the lack of options and dialogue, the fact that Shepard now just says things. And even if you do have an option between two different things, they're basically the same thing in the tone, mm. barely even changes. Like you say some Paragon stuff in here that comes out as a renegade response would in the previous games. And that is disappointing. However, there is a silver lining to this, I think, in that Shepard, like I mentioned in the Citadel DLC um, discussion, feels a bit more human, feels a bit more tighter written, and feels more like a person this time not around. Just a space which I think, marine. yeah, not just like yeah. the space marine, which was good for one and two. You know, I still really love that. But you know, like Roy was saying at the start of this podcast, this game is about you know, endings, but it's about like the apocalypse, you know, like the worst thing that's happening. And it's really trying to drive home the fact that everything is terrible. This is the darkest moment in the galaxy's history. And to get a shepherd that feels more connected to that emotionally, I do think ultimately works a bit more because I don't know whether it's just like for me playing playing as femship like Jennifer Hill is is putting in like such a great performance in this yeah, she's she was always good but this does feel like a proper step up and there's way more emotion there's way more nuance to how she's delivering the, the lines and that mm. and for me that works in creating a shepherd that I can connect to a little bit more it might not be my shepherd so much 
But at the same time, it is an interesting trade-off that to, to lose that control, you get this shepherd that, for me, works a bit more on an emotional level, works a bit more on a dramatic level, and feels more like a person mm. um, than just this, like you said, this um, space marine that is kind of like the hero <laughs> and following the hero's journey. So it's, it's, it's weird because I, I don't necessarily think one is better than the other. I probably do like the more open shepherd of mass effect one and two but at the same time i can still appreciate this for what they're going for and i don't think it's a total misfire like some mm-hmm. of the choices i do think just completely missed the mark that was the yeah ben did you find that like because i think one of the one of the things that fueled the the hate for mass effect 3 it was everything around it was like everything i described before the marketing side of it how much ea were getting all money hungry about it and everything else but like if we played those three games back to back as opposed to across a five-year period then maybe like i mean how did you find the writing in in three the writing of shepherd or the character of shepherd versus one and two I think I played, like, not to be like, I did this. I think I played their ideal shepherd where I was basically mm. like, I'm a nice Jedi paragon person and I'm going <laughs> to try and save as many people as I can and stop people fighting. No, I'm not going to secretly ruin the genophage and make it even worse, you little idiots. Of course I'm going <laughs> to save the, of course I'm going to save the Krogan, you I can't well, say any real words on the, yeah. And like going through this, like, it, bringing back everyone into the folds and you know if you want to be a renegade a, a renegade and you hate the kid and stuff just imagine shepherd was trying to knock him out that's why he just like, <laughs> looks so sad as he's running i want to kick the crap out of you that so would just, work really well that's and when he was in the event he's like yeah i'll just come here you because you, you run out of ammo at that point and you've got they they're specifically like melee some things in this game even though you don't really need to in nine like, years no one's justified those scenes in in, in a better way that's really yeah, it's weird to beat him up the little <laughs> ah come here but um it's, it's i mean it's time to come in for dinner your beans are getting cold but like <laughs> the rest of it i feel like i feel like my shepherd i feel like because two is like two is one of the best things you can ever get right because it's it's bioware doing what they kind of whatever they want because one is the setting point where it's like the nucleus thrill and then two mm. is just do what you want just go out there and do what you want it's and like have everything going out there and then it comes it's all got to come back in because you can't have 74 different endings i mean you could if it's like a text adventure or something like that but at the same time you want to be able to if you ever go anywhere and uh, when we forget andromeda even exists and have the next i don't know where thing. they go from here that's a whole separate thing but yeah, yeah like when that comes in there at least we there's there's sort of like three binary enders at the end of it and i wonder if they will let you go for you they're gonna have to pick one of them because they're so some of them have so such repercussions you're just like well that this is very different things and at the end of the day like what if um say some people decided nah the geth are all gonna die at some point like earlier on in the game or now all the krogan are gonna die like how do they bring that stuff back in as mm. well towards the end but i think for the most part in playing it in one a week and living it and just being and just like you know skipping meals for this game and stuff and like you know what <laughs> it's a bank holiday weekend what if i just played mass effect 2 for 12 hours did you how much <laughs> wine did you consume across this trilogy uh the wine is only consumed after six o'clock on okay. days off as well when it gets darker but a lot yes i mean like more <laughs> probably more like, especially when you get to the end you know um keeps getting ready for like the final van you need to get there and help him like i just imagine him like you've anyone seen like the godzilla movies just like kong and godzilla he's just there just punching a re a reaper on his In own slow motion like, yeah just sort of like 
no. But yeah, and <laughs> as he's trying to beat up that little kid as well, because he hates the little kid as well. Everyone, Everyone hates the little wants kid. The kid. That's why the universe is being destroyed because it's no idiot. <laughs> That was the that was the, I mean, the it's it's funny now because it's nine years since that big yeah. thing and I wasn't speaking from personal experience in terms of playing as a rogue renegade chef but I didn't do that I was very much playing as myself can, you know Paragon style but I, I got like that was one of the biggest talking points at the time. I can understand why people get um, irate about these things but for a lot of part even when I can play a character and do some choices I try to almost role play and I have gone on record before saying I don't really like choices in games that much where it diverts too much because at the end of the day actually, the end of the day for the 400th time someone's <laughs> going to be upset because at one point they've got to bring it in or yeah. is at that point you'll be making two or three different games from then on till the end of time it feels like the whole like uh, and your choices matter thing was like yeah. a mid 2000s zeitgeist that sort of I don't know last of us kind of upended it with Joel Repay ability, and, don't trade this game in do it again mm. sort of thing yeah and i think there's there's pros and cons to it and um, one thing we should um, quickly touch on is the the way that they've changed the galactic readiness stuff because that doesn't have anything to do with multiplayer anymore because multiplayer doesn't exist so how does that side of the of the story the narrative i guess that even the gameplay feel because a lot of the missions um to get the galactic galactic readiness thing up uh, in the original version were still aped from multiplayer it was like go to this place defend this thing behind you five waves of goons are going to come in um, um, and it's all to get these um, stats up, or you could play the multiplayer. But now I think they just give you points based on individual completion of like specific missions now that were DLC. Yeah, you just get points, more points for the missions anyway. Like you always got mm. some assets from single player, but it was always encouraging you to go out and play the multiplayer. Like you said, now yeah. you just get way yeah. more to the point where I wasn't even like worried about it this time around. Like if you do a bit of planet scanning, if you do the side missions, if you do the DLC, like you'll probably get enough for like the the best of the best ending. Mm. Like I was surprised at how quickly they started to come once the um the main missions were proper dropping. But yeah, it's kind of like it's it's almost like a weird afterthought now where you can go to your galactic readiness table and look at all the assets you've got. And there's some cool flavor text in there. Um, but it's it's just it's just a it was always a weird part of it and now it's a super weird part of it especially like roy has said it's like such a bugbear of mine that you can get like you know bring back people like grunt and then he's messaging you saying oh you should come see me on the ship and i'm looking for him on the ship and then i have to look onto google and be like where's grunt and they mm -hmm. say oh he's just a war asset you can't actually talk to him I'm like that's <laughs> that sucks that's not mm -hmm. great and i do think the war assets in a way give them like a bit of a cop out for big decisions that you made like the rachni for instance you know mm -hmm. that they just become war assets and that's quite cool they're well like good we at making saying, things yeah they're well good at making things did you know this they've they been can, there before talk telepathically and yeah. it's, it's a cool way to you know incorporate them but at the same time i can see how you'd be disappointed if you're waiting for mass effect one wondering how they're going to play into it and mm. it's like oh they're just some numbers I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that whole, like, it always felt like the galactic readiness thing was just on there as a, as a way to try and bridge single to multiplayer. And it felt, I mean, but Mass Effect, I mean, it's been a while since I played Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, but it had microtransactions, right? Like it had a whole monetization aspect of it. I'm pretty sure that's why they so, were yeah. pushing people in that direction. I'm so glad that they cut it out. They're sort of talking about potentially bringing it back. Um, but it just, it feels like a better decision if you're going to keep that, I mean, you have to keep that, like, in terms of the UI, in terms of the way that it rolls out, but connecting it to the DLC missions feels like a good way to go. I, um, and encourages you to play everything as someone who never dealt with all that stuff before it the i didn't mind the galactic readiness i kind of like liked it in a way like mm. bringing every i liked seeing a visual representation of where i was um the only thing i would have said like you know like with the citadel dlc have those people specifically in the ship or maybe say like 
uh, after you've done that one mission with Jack, where is Jack? You can go to that part mm. of the galaxy where Jack is with her kids or, you know, like, is Grunt me the war room? Like, you know, when you do certain missions and you've got the war room is populated by different people and characters throughout this sort of game, mm-hmm. have another area for them to be there. Like have another galactic station near off Mars or something like that, you know, just so you can physically interact with them. Even if it's like, say, as little as it is with Zaid and, and like he goes, that's my helmet I got from Zangon 7. And I, I wonder if you didn't get the DLC for two. Does Zaid and um, other Kasumi. thief, Kasumi, do they, can you even get them in three? And, and if you can, does Zaid go, who the hell are you? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's still like a hired merc, and so kind of Kasumi's like doing a favor for you. But I, yeah, I've never played, I play. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of broke my mind. I'd imagine that they wouldn't show up. Maybe they, were, I guess, they'd be like, "You're missing out on a JPEG from the readiness." You screen. can't miss Zaid as well in two because if you no. load up, he's in Omega. You have to go through well, that game to get him. It, yeah, I guess it depends when you installed the DLC. If it was the original, what, one. when in Legendaries, they're mm. like, because because that threw me off as well. Because I was like, wait a minute, I've just got another character already when I'm trying to get. Uh, a character who reveals to be someone else. I, or I won't spoil to even though we did before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, and then my friend was like, I oh, know it's just DLC. Just don't bother taking them out because they don't really use them. It's a strange thing because, like, um, again, like back in the day, that was like a re- return to Omega to find uh, Zaid as opposed to like, oh, they're the first thing you see on the yeah. way to the actual main character. Um, speaking of characters, though, to round things out, two words, James Vega. How well has James Vega aged? Because at the time, it wasn't very good. He's like useless in the actual <laughs> game, but so good in the DLC, like Citadel okay. especially. Like they draw attention to how useless he is, how no one picks him. And I forgot it was Freddie Prince Jr. Freddy Prince who Jr., voices yeah. him. And he does a pretty good job. Like he's, he's more likable than I remember. But in terms of the sliding scale of male supporting heroes, <laughs> for me, it's definitely Ken at the top. Jacob was second, and then Vega. At it's the a bottom. low because, bar, you know, to be fair. It's just, it's, it's, it would have been hard for anyone coming into this cast in the third game, man, especially when you want those squad slots to be populated well, by returning friends and they're like no he's james vega uh well that was the thing like again like he he was part of that whole like kind of meat-headed bro like everyone can play them the, uh, the multiplayer look at this big gym bro we've got as part of the squad like come on guys we're gonna tackle gears of war we're gonna take on call of duty like it's big action focused mass effect and it's just everyone just sort of turned on him but even though there is like he is quite charming freddie prince jr obviously an accomplished voice actor and everything and um, ben roy thoughts on the old on the old vega the list of characters that you can't take with your missions and you get James Vega. <laughs> Soon as the game went, nah, go back to the ship. I'll call you later. I never used him again. Right. I spoke to him a few times. He was all right in the CLWC, I guess. But at the same time, get out of the game. Just go away. <laughs> like There are so many other choices. Did you do the, the pull-up competition with him? The exercise well, until thing. I started getting Renegade because I'm full Paragon, isn't it? So right, leave right. me alone. Uh, but, um, fight. I'm, I'm vaguely... Do, Josh, do you remember if you do a pull-up competition with you him? You do both. You do a fight oh, okay. and the pull-up competition, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, the biggest memories. I just... just I'm sorry, just crap. Like the, he, he felt imagine mar- he felt imagine playing that game yeah. and having to play, having James Vega instead of Javik and be like, well, there you go. That's I the just, epitome of the feeling that everyone had in 2012. It was like, what are you doing? Like, we've spent years building to this. Um, but like, it's, it's so good to know that you can get around that stuff now that they have allowed for it, that the Legendary Edition is just easily so much better. 
And I know we're running long, but one last thing, like use Rex in the Citadel DLC. He's such a yes. laugh and it's so fun to have just Rex back and be Rex, even more Rex than usual. He's mm. more chilled out now and stuff like that. And it's just, Definitely. it's a great, imagine having Rex in this. I know he's got his planet to look after, but imagine <laughs> having Rex. You've got to save him. You've got to save him at the beginning. Otherwise, none of that other stuff can happen. You can, you yeah. can't headbutt that person, I don't think, when God, you go over there. Yeah. Um, to Chanka, but um, yes, but yeah, ultimate point being that Mass Effect 3 is a hell of a lot better in 2021 with, I mean, it was always better with its DLC, but with everything baked in and all the other improvements, this is still arguably the finest sci-fi trilogy trophy list, but ever. Yeah. Well, there is that, there is the wider <laughs> sci-fi, uh, the wider trophy list of trying to go through it about five times to get everything. Um, but for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Were it so easy. And Josh Brown. Scott Telford. Shepherd. No. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you, mate. I am Shepherd. I am. <laughs> it's the Shepherd within. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.